Ayers on the Road, value-based parenting and life balance ideas from world-traveling family coaches. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. Welcome to another episode of Ayers on the Road. We are excited to be here. We have been just on the road, you know, back and forth between our kids' houses. Well, actually, we've been gone for three weeks, and we're finally back home, which is a kind of a good that is feeling. That's true. We have been in the air. What am I thinking? Well, we've been uh, we've been in Hawaii, which has surely been a great, fun time with some of our kids and doing some other business things, and and then we were in Seattle on a beautiful day. You know, Seattle, you think of rain and you think of cold this time of year, but we had one of the prettiest days ever. And then we had a, we were there a second day and it turned into the real Seattle. <laughs> right. Rain and cold and clouds. Cloudy and dark. But, but we, we spoke, we were speaking to a wonderful group of parents there. They weren't they a great group. One day. It was a tremendous group of parents and they had some good ideas on parenting, and we hope we gave them a few more ideas. There's nothing quite like having a room full of people who really care about their families, just brainstorming back and forth about what their concerns, what their issues are. We had them all stand up. It wasn't a huge group. There were only about 50 there. Each couple stood at the beginning and kind of told what their biggest concerns were. It really was a lot of fun, and they were full of questions. Sometimes, you know, you never, we never know what we're going to get on a group. Once in a while, we get somebody that just can't think of a question, but of course, Richard can always think of something to say, so it's okay. But I can think of questions to ask them. Yeah, right. I don't think we should even call what we do speaking, because we don't speak. We interact. We get. We try to get discussions going, and gosh, we learn as much or more than anyone. In fact... Um, Last Saturday, we had an interesting experience in Hawaii. We were with our family there. We have a son and daughter-in-law and five kids, which um, we've talked about extensively on the show last week. Lynn is jumping back to just before Seattle. Right. And um, it really uh, was interesting because... I bet they know what happened in Hawaii. Uh, you might know what happened, <laughs> but we, we were there. We were there when it happened. That we were walking around early in the morning Um and my daughter-in-law came and hold it up, held up her iPhone right in front of my face with this big writing on it. And it said, there is a ballistic missile headed for Hawaii. This, this is, not is not a, a test. test. <laughs> um, it wasn't funny. I wasn't laughing then, I'll tell you. And our daughter-in-law wasn't laughing. Her face I mean, we laughing. were like, well, what do you do? If you think you're going to die in the next half hour, <laughs> um, it was really quite amazing. I I just couldn't believe it. I mean, I. Well, I it was I, funny to watch different people react. I mean, you you've read the accounts. There were people who were putting their children down manhole covers to try to get them safe. There were people running off the beaches. There were people. Uh, our, our our granddaughter was at a swim meet, of all things, and they pulled all those kids into a concrete building. Yeah, she was about 20 miles away, and she called immediately, and her mom answered, and there you could hear the kids screaming and yelling, and they were soaking wet because they were pulled out of the pool, and and she was crying, and, and her mother, like, finally, she couldn't even talk. Finally, her mother said, Anna, slap yourself. You are not going to die. 
And um, she. But, but her mother was a little scared too. I was thinking, yeah, wasn't I mean, very convincing. You, you probably won't die. Okay. Slap yourself. <laughs> <laughs> and we're laughing now, but it is, it is funny how different people reacted. Um, it was really, really an interesting thing. And we, it was about a half an hour before, or 40 minutes even, before we got the uh, just kidding. I mean, they didn't say just kidding, but they said, you know, false alarm and so on. Yeah, um, you, you read the news. It turns yeah, out that it was a change guy. of shift and somebody got their, their wires crossed and sent it out. But, you know, we spoke to a, another group of parents last night, just uh, last night, and we started off the... Uh, we started off the talk talking about that just with the idea of what what are the thoughts you have when you think maybe there's not much time left and 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 you know are you ready are you spiritually ready are you are you uh, emotionally and and mentally ready uh, that's the oldest question I guess in the world if you were to die tomorrow or if you were to die in the next minute would you feel like you were ready to go? And the answer is probably always no. <laughs> no, but um, we were speaking to a particularly amazing group of people who are full-time um, missionaries, but they're as, as older couples. And uh, there are 800 of them gathered. Well, not gathered. They're from really uh, far reaches of the county, and um, or the state, some of them are up in Heber and and down Crowell. Well, they're so on. they're they yeah. Go ahead. But there are eight hundred of them, and uh, we 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 just felt like we were standing amongst a bunch of angels because well, they are just helping people who are so needy, the the poorest of the poor, in not may not be financially, but in mind and body and ah oh, gosh they have this is called the inner things. the inner city mission of salt lake city but it, it goes beyond the borders of salt lake city and it's people who are missionaries but they're not like the typical mormon missionaries who are out somewhere in the world proselyting these are people who are helping people with all kinds of problems whether they're refugees whether they're people who are homeless whether they're people who've lost their their jobs and, and fallen on hard times. They're, they're, you know, most cities are like this. There's an inner city, and this is the part of the inner city that's really blighted and really um, poverty-stricken. And this, this was a wonderful group of people. And I sometimes think, Linda, we, and we usually do our pattern on this radio show is to, to start off by who we've been with during the last week and where we've been, hence the name Iris on the Road. And both of these speeches were so different because the one in Seattle were very affluent people. And the one last night were people who were working with very, very poor people. And the interesting thing is we basically talked about the same thing because economically, whatever your circumstances is, your worries about your children are often very, very similar because we're parents, we're all parents, and we all have kids, and we all have the same hopes and the same dreams and the same worries and fears for, for our children. What, what we also tend to do is to theme the show around what we've personally been thinking about that week. And, and this week, and some of you, if you've read the title on BYU Radio, you're wondering when we're going to get to it. The title of today's show is New Year's Diets. And you may say, what does that have to do with family? It has everything to do with family. And this is a time of year 
when it seems like everyone's thinking about diet, right? Didn't we read, Linda, that 80-something percent of New Year's re resolutions have to do with, with eating and with diet? Oh, man, I think we mentioned last week that, you know, once January 1st is over, there's a barrage of the try our plan, try our plan. It really is amazing how many people are now on diets because they overate through the holidays. And why is it a family topic? Because diets are not only things for you, they're things for your children. How, 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 how are you eating as a parent or a grandparent? And how are you feeding those who you feed? How, how are your children eating? How, how healthy is the diet that you're putting in your mouth and in the mouth of your children? And, and it, it has to do with family in other ways. I mean, you know, one of the things that you could argue is that if you're asking, what can I do for my children? One thing you can do for your children is be as healthy as you can possibly be, because that has such a, a profound impact on the kind of parent you are and on the kind of spouse you are and on, you know, how much you've got to give to those that you love most who, who live in your own home. And, and Linda probably over the years has thought a lot more about diet and about feeding and about healthiness than I have. But I will say, I, and I'll get into this in a minute, I wrote a book, a, a diet book not long ago, and that surprised some people. It kind of surprised me. <laughs> oh, it wouldn't surprise me. Richard always has interesting ideas but um i do have to say that i've lost 200 pounds in my life wow that was a shock for um, me i know if you think about it i mean even before i knew you i was always on a diet i it but it's the same five pounds over and over and over and over and over and, over and, over and now it's 10 pounds Let's over see, and over five and over pounds over. you've lost five pounds 40 different times at right? least at least <laughs> But I mean, you know, I can't 20 counts once in a while. But, but you're pretty lucky you only had five or 10 to lose at any one time, Linda. I know, but now we're up to 15. <laughs> you're not like the um, ad on TV. I lost 70. I lost 30. Oh, I lost 50. I'm Marie and I lost 50 pounds. <laughs> <laughs> but we, you know, we know Marie. She's an old friend. We can talk about her, she right? Is, she's actually a, a extended cousin, the, those awesome. We're not going into that. Anyway, um, it really is interesting. Interesting though that um, we keep trying over and over and over again until it's the same same weight over and over and over again. But in our minds, we have to say diet is not about just about losing weight. Diet is about this profound question of what you put into your body, and and you know the the diet book that some of you have seen that I wrote a couple of years ago is called the Half Diet Diet. We're actually going to go beyond that today a little bit on the show. We've got a new thought or two that's been influencing our our own thinking on, on diet for ourselves and for our family. But just a quick review because it's an easy it's an easy book to summarize. The half diet diet is basically a diet that just says, look, it's it's about quantity. You've got to face it. And and you know, the the simplest diet rather than decide all kinds of detailed things about calories and carbs and what you'll eat and what you won't eat. The simplest approach is to say, I've got to eat half as much because there are some studies that show that, that many, many, a majority of adult Americans actually eat twice as much as what they need. And the theory of that book, The Half Diet Diet, is that if you slow down, 
if you eat slowly, if you if you essentially eat half as much, but eat, eat twice as slow, so it takes you the same amount of time to eat, but you've only eaten half as much, it gets into small bites, it gets into chewing your food more, it gets into, you know, really eating mindfully, it gets into why are there no fat people in France, even though they're, they have the best food in the world? And it's because they eat very slowly and very mindfully. So it covers a lot of things like that. And it was fun to write. And it was something that we, we really enjoyed. And after the break, we're going to go a little beyond that. But what would you add on the, on the half diet diet? Linda? Well, let me just add something on the slow, because that's the part that drives me crazy. I, I have to say, um, man, I have, such a hard time eating slowly and even harder waiting for Richard to finish his food. And I really do eat slowly. Oh my goodness. I mean, the point is he wants you to, he thinks you should put down your fork between In bites. Between every bite. That's the way to eat slowly and eat a small bite because you can taste it better if there's not so much in your mouth. Well, you might, you must not have enough to do though, honey, because <laughs> Uh, It is really hard to to eat slowly, but we're going to follow up on this. We have um, some really interesting suggestions for you in the next segment. But for now, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back to talk about the hot topic of diets for the family. And we're back. We're talking about something we haven't really talked about on the radio before today. We're talking about diets because that's what everybody's talking about right now. Uh, that's come up several times just in conversations with friends and family this week. Uh, everyone's thinking about it. And, you know, we have uh, we have one daughter who is amazing in terms of what she of how conscious she is about what she feeds her children. And, and her theory, and I have to think that she's, some might say she's a little extreme on some things, but her theory is that if you start kids off with healthy food when they're little, they really gain a taste for things that are good, and, and they don't gain a taste for junk food. And I have to say, she's got five kids, and they pretty well mirror that. I'm not saying they don't appreciate a good burger now and then, or a donut or whatever, but but they eat, they'll eat anything. It's amazing. Bring on the Brussels sprouts. They like it. Bring on the spinach because they grew up eating it. And I think there is something to the fact that, and, and again, this puts some of us on a guilt trip because, you know, well, what about a kid who's 10 or 12 or 14 or 16? And he didn't eat hardly anything healthy when he was little. He was so picky. You know, how many kids pretty much are raised for a couple of years on mac and cheese because that's all they'll eat, you know? Right. We were just talking in Seattle with some of these people about the diet of their children. What do you do? when they won't eat what you fix them. And that is a huge problem now in families, I think. I, well, this daughter of ours would say, well, you put the healthy food on the table, and if they get hungry enough, they'll finally eat it. But not, not a lot of parents can do that. Well, I used to say to kid, my picky eaters, if you don't like this, make yourself a peanut butter sandwich. You know, tough. Just figure it out for yourself because I'm not making a meal for everyone. <laughs> um, and be tough with those kids. Uh, honestly, really, they uh, some of them did eat a lot of peanut butter sandwiches, but it really is uh, interesting. Now, are you talking about 
our oldest daughter or our middle I'm son. I'm talking about our we, oldest daughter. We have two. We have two that are real foodies. Well, we have more than two. We that have are lots foodies, of kids who are but, really aware of food. Yeah, we have two that are really on it. We have a couple who, who aren't really on it, unfortunately. And you know, this is back to the thing we've talked about on the show a lot. What do you, what do you do? as a grandparent, when you see something you don't like or that you know they could do better, and that's a topic for another it show. Is. Yeah. But what we wanted to do today is kind of expand to a new thought we've had this year on, on dieting. And I'm going to introduce it this way, Linda. It's a good idea to ask yourself the, the six standard questions about food. And if and because the answer to each one of them is actually really relevant. And I'm talking about who, what, when, where, why, and how. You know, a lot of people say uh, that's an interesting theory that if you can answer those six questions about any topic, then you really understand it and you've really delved into it. You've really been analytical in your thinking. So who, what, why, where, when, how. Now, most diets are about what. What do you eat? The, the what question, one of the six questions, what, what do you eat? What don't you eat? And, and, and about the segment, how much do you eat? What and how the, those become the two big things. But, but lately, and some of you read this in the press and it was on the, the NBC nightly news the other night and so on, that more and more people are finding and more and more doctors and dietitians are discovering that the when question is tremendously relevant. It's not, in fact, the, the news lead the other night was, guess what? It's not about what you eat. It's about when you eat. And, and it was pointing out that when you know, it takes about six hours to digest food. And when we eat at night, when we eat late in the day, we're, we're trying to digest that food all night while we're sleeping and so on. And it, it has a negative effect on metabolism. And on the positive side, it said, you know, if you finish up eating six hours or so before you go to bed, then during the night, what your body actually does is it, it, it begins to burn fat for whatever nourishment it needs during those hours. And so the whole idea was eat earlier in the day. In fact, the, a lot of the people were advocating eat between eight in the morning and two in the afternoon. Well, yeah, that's, they and had then fast the rest of the day. Right. They had an example of a woman who had lost 50 pounds just doing this. And that, that sounds great. Oh, good idea. Just stop eating at two o'clock. Yeah. Don't um, go to dinner anymore. Don't totally uh, unrealistic. I mean, you, who can do that? But we did start, and actually we started with this because our son-in-law at a Christmas dinner, um, who is, uh, you've heard of vegetarians, he's the opposite. He doesn't eat any vegetables or fruits. And he said, you know, I've just decided I'm not going to eat uh, after six o'clock. And I, he said, I'm, I'll have a little salad. And everybody went, oh, you're going <laughs> to eat a salad? Really? And he did. He just ate a little salad and he said, we're starting to have big breakfast and, you know, moderate lunches and then just eat a little bit at dinner time and then stop, stop. Well, that, that's the theory of this, of this diet that you're probably hearing a lot of people talking about is it's sort of biggest, big and little, you know, eat your biggest meal at breakfast, eat a pretty big meal at lunch and eat very little in the evening. Now, 
again, the, the theory is pretty interesting. And I, I really do believe that there's something to that. But boy, that's tough because most people eat a lot at dinner. And most people keep on eating right up until they go to bed. Let's face it. I mean, you're watching TV or you're doing something in the evening. You're probably eating. And, and you know, a lot of people like a midnight snack and so on. And we're not dieticians. We're not doctors. We're not, we don't know the science behind this. But we're just saying it's a fascinating thing for both you and your kids to ask all five of these questions. Who, what, when, where, how, and why. Now, let's... Well, wait, let me go back to the kids for just a minute on, on this. On the because, when question? No, uh, yes, like on the when. Eat, yeah. Right. Because uh, we lived in England for maybe four and a half, five years altogether. And uh, the way they manage their children is really interesting. Their kids go to school and they give them a hot meal at lunch. So when they come home, they have what they call tea. And it's not drinking tea. It's just after their, their afternoon um, meal. For the kids. Right, for the kids. So they have usually just little sandwiches or something really, cucumber sandwiches is really popular <laughs> instead of peanut <laughs> butter. We couldn't those. find peanut butter when we first went to England. But um, that's really healthy. I mean, a little cucumber sandwich. And then, believe it or not, their kids, their young kids go to bed at 6.30, which is amazing to me. When we first got a babysitter there from across the street, a teenager, said, can you come babysit for us, you know, come at seven. She said, well, the kids will already be in bed, right? I went, uh, no, not, no, not really. I thought, what is she talking about? And then I found that they do go to bed early. Well, what we loved about that, and it is, I don't know if it's still this prevalent in England, but it basically gives the parent, and again, this would work against this whole when idea on diet we're talking about. Well, unless they have the cucumber sandwiches too. Well, no, I'm saying that, I'm saying that the kids eat, what they call tea, and then they're put to bed early, and then the parents have a nice big dinner after the kids are in bed. Right. I'm saying it would the work. Kids the kids are not invited to dinner. Cucumbers and oh, if that's all. It, well, but it would still be eating too late. You know, I mean, the idea right. that oh, right. of eating early. So, so we invite yourself to ask. I mean, we've been to three questions so far. The what question? You got to decide what you're going to eat and what you're not, and that's clearly going to be important in any diet. And, and we're not going to talk about that because we all think about what's healthy and what's not. And we should eat more of the what that is good for us and less of the what that's bad for us and our children, too. And we've talked a little about the, you know, the, the question of um, uh, how, how you eat, how slowly or whatever, how fast or how slow. And now we've talked a little about the question of when do you eat? And even the other three are relevant questions. Who? Who do you eat with? People who eat alone tend to eat way too much. People who eat with people they like and who have conversation and who make dinner time a social time probably eat better. And, and one of the things that we've always advocated is have dinner together with your kids. And so I guess we're now saying have it kind of early and make it a meeting, a family discussion at the dinner table, and who you're eating with has an impact on what you eat and, and how you eat it. Well, I have to beg to differ on that, because when I eat alone, I don't eat much at all. I just eat a little bit. When you're gone, I just eat a little bit. When you're here, I feel obligated to yeah, but you're you know, come up with a meal. That way. No, can, I think there's a lot of women out there disorders that eat that. a lot on their own, and they they eat when no one can see them eat, and they're, yeah, they're, you know, they're, they're stealing food all disorders. the time. That's interesting. Well, I just disagree, but it's okay. Anyway, but you agree that 
when that who is still a relevant question. Uh, absolutely. Who you eat with, who, what, when, where, even where. You know, if you eat in a place that's that's pleasant, if you have an uh, a lot of houses have dining rooms they never use them, right? It's eating right. at the bar. It's like refueling. It's like handing out kids food and they shovel it in their mouth. Where you eat and, and and how comfortable you feel there and how relaxed you are can be an important part of a diet. Right. And, um, you know, so often we just eat on the run. I, I'm talking to myself. I mean, we just eat, grab something, eat on the run. We don't even think about what we're eating. And then we eat a lot on the run. You know, you just grab a cookie or you grab something to keep you going and, you know, keep your energy up. And it's really a good idea to sit. I mean, all the diet people tell you, you know, you really need to sit and think about what you're eating and calculate how much you're eating. You know, I think I'm going to do, I'm going to announce this on the air right now in front of you, Linda. I am going to actually write a second edition of this diet book, The Half Diet Diet. It's been out for a couple of years. It's time for a new edition because I think an early chapter on these six questions would be powerful. I'm really into this. We've got one we haven't covered yet. Who, what, when, where, why, and how. The question of why is actually maybe the most important question of all. If you eat, I mean, what's the reason that you eat? <laughs> that sounds funny, but but if if you eat because you're letting your appetite drive you, if you eat if the reason for your eating is always hunger, and, and hunger has a way of extending itself, you know, you get going on eating and your your hunger is sort of satisfied initially, but then there's a sort of a secondary hunger that kind of keeps you eating. If you're not the master of that, if, if what I'm saying is hunger is not the best reason for eating unless you live in a third world country and you're trying to sustain yourself. If you live in a first world country, there are better reasons for eating. You should eat for pleasure. You should eat for joy. You should eat for the the gratitude of the food. You should have some higher motives where you're not shoveling it in. You're eating with appreciation and with taste and with real pleasure. Again, back to the French and the Italians that we always model them because whenever we're there, we're amazed that none of them are fat. We're amazed how much they enjoy their food. They they eat for the right reasons. They eat in the right ways. So again, I'm into this, Linda. Uh, we've covered all those. I'm not going to review them, but in your own minds, think about it. Who, what, when, where, why, and how. If you think about each of those questions, develop your own theory of eating and diet based on doing the right answer to all those questions, then it's more than a diet. It's, it's, a, it's a way of nourishing and flourishing that I think is really powerful. And, and your kids can learn that, and it'll affect how you feed your children. And it will affect how you feel. I'm just uh, finishing a manuscript on it for grandmothers, and I just wrote something very clearly about you can be a better grandmother if you feel better and take care of yourself. Well, we're out of time, but we hope that we've given you something to think about this week. Um, we are all thinking about diet, and we really um, can't say enough about how important that is to our health, even though sometimes you got to have a cookie. And we want to leave you with is that. Is that your last word, Linda? Absolutely. Sometimes you've got to have a cookie. <laughs> 
And so we leave you with that and say... We'll see you next time on Irons on the Road. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.